My name is Erin Weideman, and you are listening to Heroes for Her. This series features candid conversations with real women who strive to balance their professional acumen with their personal values. Join me as I interview positive female role models who are working hard, loving others, and inspiring the next generation of girls to serve their unique purpose. Hi, everybody, and welcome to today's episode of Heroes for Her. My guest today is Trisha Goyer. Trisha is a busy homeschooling mom of 10, a grandmother to now four grandchildren, and wife to her husband, John. Not sure how she manages to find the time, but this best-selling author writes both fiction and nonfiction titles offering encouragement and hope to readers around the world. Trisha is the author of more than 60 books, although I'm pretty sure it's more than that now. She calls Little Rock, Arkansas her home and is the founder of Hope Pregnancy Center in Kalispell, Montana. If you remember all the way back to last April, we had Trisha on the show many, many months ago. It is my pleasure to welcome her back today. Trisha, thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to connect again. It's so, so nice. I'm so glad I got to see you at MomCon too this year. It was our first <laughs> was time so going. Fun. I loved that I got to like sneak into your booth and just catch up with you. Um, what was that trip even like for you? Because we had to travel from San Diego all the way over to Missouri and stay a few days. And I know it was kind of like a whirlwind for your schedule. So did it throw a wrench in homeschooling for you and trying to get your kids started for the school year? Like, what did that all look like? We started actually the middle of August. They actually start early here down in Arkansas. And so we'd already been doing school about a month. So we kind of got our rhythm going. Um, and then I just flew up and I just stayed one night and flew home. So <laughs> it was, it's pretty nice. It's only like a, I don't know, hour flight or something from Arkansas, um, to Kansas City. And so my, I have my 23 year old that lives at home and I will pay him to take kids to therapy or to, you know, do those types of things. Um, so he helps out. And then my husband actually took two days off of work and homeschooled the kids. So it was super fun. He That was like his first experience with all of the kids because we adopted four last year. And um, it, was, it was fun for him to get to see what we do every day in homeschool. So for me, it was like a little mini break. Almost. <laughs> Let me just fly up here, speak, see my friends. And then uh, later the next day, I flew home. So what was it like when you got back home, what were his thoughts about having to like coordinate and get everybody like on pace with what they're working on? And there's like, you have such a range of kids and like the age range is so is wide. So what were his thoughts about having to manage all that at home while you were gone? You know, I, we actually have the best system ever this year. Um, Christy Clover is a friend of mine. She has a homeschool organization course. And I spoke with her um, a couple times early in the spring. And she's like, you got to try this course. And I've been homeschooling a long time. And I would organize maybe a week at a time. And with her crate system, you actually organize for the whole year. So you, I mean, you even rip up workbooks and you put every kid has a different color file. And so they have their file for that week. And the, the notebooks, everything are ripped up in their file. So they know exactly what they need to do that week. Um, and that's for the independent work. But we also do a, a curriculum called Sunlight that is a lot of the reading. And um, it just so happens that the younger kids were learning about ancient history with their books and the older kids were le- learning about ancient history and their curriculum. And so I combine them. We do about two and a half to three hours a day of reading out loud to everybody. Um, and I, so I'm the, since they're both studying ancient history, I'll read some of the older kids' books and some of the younger kids' books. And they color, they draw, they do artwork, they take notes. I taught them about note-taking and how to take notes in workbooks and recite back to me what they learned. Um, And so that really, because we have such a good system, so basically 
from uh, 9 o'clock in the morning till about 11 o'clock is the read aloud time with a little break in there. And then after that, they will break up and do independent work. And because we have that system down, um, it was actually easy for my husband or and later my son had to do it when I traveled at a different conference for them to sit, uh, step in and they see what books we have to read. And then the kids know what independent work they have for the files. Um, but I have to tell you in the middle of it, as I'm organizing, it took me about three weeks of just <laughs> organizing all this work in the middle of it. I text Christy. I'm like, what in the world have you gotten me into? Cause I had piles of books and ripping papers up. I mean, ripping papers out and all this huge mess. But once the system was done. It is like so much easier now. And everyone, they know exactly what we have to do. So there's no like, what are we doing today? They know what our schedule is. You probably called her too. And she was like, lady, just trust me. Like, I know I did. The, the back end work is so much work. And I, even as like, as you broke down all the things you have the kids do, I'm sitting here as a former teacher going, gosh, that's good. Oh, that's good. Oh, they repeat it back to you. Oh, you taught them how to take notes. It's so great. And like being so organized that way and really doing it all up front just makes your life so much easier. Cause like the last thing I would want to do is, is want to plan it out. Like every week I was trying to throw, it, it would just feel so haphazard to me to mm-hmm. have to do it by week. Um, but gosh, I'm sure that took a lot of prep work. So kudos uh, yeah. to you. And then we could, or- like if we want to take a different, my, like my daughter's coming December 16th for Christmas break. So we could get off a little bit earlier and start, you know, I mean, we could just arrange a schedule, but we know exactly what we have to do and you know everything's organized. And then also like we've had one of the, our girls had to have minor surgery and all these things. And um, they're like, mom, they're getting stressed out because they're not finishing their folders. I'm like, I worked in four extra weeks that we can have to finish this stuff. And they're like, really? They were so excited because they were getting stressed. You know, if something came up, we were getting behind I'm like nope it's already worked in so then I mean it was literally 10 minutes before we got on this this uh call that I was telling them that and they're like oh they're feeling so much better that 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 time even even the break time was worked in so this year even though there's seven kids I just feel just because I did that three weeks of really really hard work organizing at the beginning it has made our whole year go so much better that's so awesome and and you're like well into the school year now because it's it's you know the, the we're in the middle of the fall so that's my question is so do you have do you find yourself finding extra time to do like fun fall things are you crafting are you making food like what does the fall look like in the house with all these kids are you traveling or staying close to home for next few months yeah well um i've just finished three conferences in a row i might be going out to la for a little short thing we'll see that might be on the schedule but for the most part i'm home so i'm not doing a lot of things um but the thing is because i am reading out loud my kids are crafting all day long so you know because i'm reading and they take turns like for the bible they'll take turns reading and so they are doing some of it but you know they'll sit there for hours and so they are they're painting stuff, they're drawing stuff, they're doing Legos, they're doing beads. My one daughter was doing this little knitting loom thing. And so um, every day they're kind of crafting as they are listening. Um, and that's why I have to often pause. I have a couple of kids, especially their mind will just totally wander off. <laughs> and I just have to, after every paragraph, almost like, what did I just read? And they are able to repeat it back to me. Be- because we do a lot of reading out loud, they're naturally just doing a lot of craft. So, and it's in my dining room, we don't have a special school room. And so if you walk in the front door of my house, this is what you come into just bees and light up and all this stuff all over, but they really love it. Um, 
And then we'll do stuff like we went to the farmer's market on Saturday and they, they had horse rides. And so we try to squeeze those type of things. And, um, but it's so funny because in Arkansas, you know, we lived in Montana for 10 years where, I mean, they were, they've already had snow this year. And in Arkansas, it got down to like 28 degrees. And the other morning when we would get out to the car for church, they were freezing and they were like, this is so cold. And we just laughed because we're used to living in snow my, nine months of the year, um, in Montana. So it's, it's interesting, um, that our fall here is just barely getting crisp, but we were used to snow when we lived in Montana. See, and even as you describe that, it's so foreign to me. Like I'm sitting here in San Diego and we just finished (laughs) the most ridiculous heat wave I've ever experienced. Like end of October, it's a hundred degrees on the coast and we're all horrified, like trying to scramble and figure out how how we're going to, how we're going to even make it through life because it's, it is so hot here. Um, Yeah. Gosh, that's so funny. I uh, <laughs> And you bring up Montana, too, and I want to get into talking about the new book, Walk It Out, and just the message for, for today's, not just youth, but pretty much everybody everywhere, you know, this conversation of purpose and finding your purpose and... Um, you know, it's close to home for me, but I really like I really like this book, and I want to dive into it. And for those of you that aren't familiar with this book, it just released. It's called Walk It Out, The Radical Result of Living God's Word One Step at a Time. And you brought up, you know, the, the time you, you lived 10 years in Montana, and you started this pregnancy center, and God recently put it on your heart uh, to, to get back into the foster system and adopt these kids and kind of do the go around again. So I want you to kind of break down... You know, you know, yes, the themes and messages from the book, but as they relate to your experience and what God's word has told you that you're supposed to go and do, and then how do you find yourself taking those one at a time types of steps? So can, yeah, you, can you just walk us through that? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So w- when I first became a Christian, um, I see previously I had been a teen mom. I had my son when I was 17, and then I had an abortion when I was 15, which is something that I really regret. Um, went through a lot of healing and went through this awesome Bible study that just made me realize that God, you know, Christ forgave me for all my sins and His blood covered everything. But that, you know, later when I became a Christian and started following God, like I wanted to put that behind me, all my teen pregnancy, all that stuff. Um, and I almost felt like I had to prove something to God, like, look it, I could be a Christian wife and mom now and do all these wonderful things. So for a while, it was just like, like running to do as much as I could for God. I was doing Bible studies and teaching this and in Sunday school and you know, just trying to homeschool my kids and do all these things for him. When it came to the point, I really felt him saying, you know, I don't need you to do all this stuff for me. I just need you to follow where I lead. And at the time, I had just um, started writing. So, I was writing articles. I was starting to get some book stuff done. And then after that, um, I thought, okay, we're good to go. I'm following God's calling. You know, His calling is for me to be a writer, and I'm homeschooling my kids. And then um, our pastor actually approached and asked me to help start this pregnancy center. And I'm like, I tell him, you know, the politically correct thing, which was, I will pray about it. Which was oh, that's the best tell. answer ever. Yeah. Oh, let me which just take, take to that tell. to the Lord in prayer. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Which in my mind, I'm thinking, no, I do not have time for this. I'm, I have my calling. Like, I just totally thought, like, I had found what I'm supposed to do with my life. And the next morning when I sat down with my Bible and my journal, um, which I had developed that habit, which has just impacted my life so greatly. But um, I was praying about it, and I felt like it, I knew it was from God because it wasn't my thoughts. It was like this thought in, enters my mind as I'm praying, you know, Lord, tell me how to tell Pastor Daniel that I can't do this pregnancy center. Yeah, this and this is not the will for my life, yeah, and I'm exactly. just telling you that, God, you already know that, but wait, I didn't ask you, yeah. so hold on. <laughs> 
Exactly. And instead, the still quiet voice said, what about the young women who are where you used to be that don't have hope, that don't have answers that are, you know, going to potentially make bad choices because they don't have someone there just telling them they love them and God loves them and there can be a hope in the future. And it was just like this this thought that I knew wasn't for me because <laughs> I was totally thinking I have my call in life. Um, and I knew it was from God. And I knew it was at that moment that I had to, if I was going to follow God, I had to step out and obey. And so I said, okay. And I called my pastor and I ended up being the director for three years as a volunteer position. But the amazing thing was that God just brought such amazing people around. Um, our very first meeting, we like put the information in church bulletins in our little community and on the Christian radio station. The very first volunteer meeting, there's 35 women there that had came forward to volunteer. It's like God just said, I need you to take the first step. And um, that really just like walking into that meeting and seeing 35 people, we actually had a trainer come out from Atlanta, Georgia. And she's like, I've never seen this many people so ready to just jump in and do something to make a difference. And it was just God saying like, I have this. Like, you just need to take these steps of faith. I was just going to say that. Like, I mean, even when you think about 35 people, like, anytime we ask volunteers for anything, it doesn't matter what it is, like church or otherwise, it's always like trying to scrape the bottom of the barrel. Like, can we get just enough people in here to do it? And it sounds like there was this influx because God was all over it. All over. And we had a church, the church donated their, um, they had a parsonage that was this Victorian home. A block off of Main Street. They weren't using it as a parsonage. Um, and they said, would you like to have it? And we're like, yes. Have I mean, it? Great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was like free. And then we had churches that came and helped remodel. It was just like God's hand, like anything we even wanted or needed, like he was providing it in such an amazing way. And the center, you know, we, I don't even live there anymore, but it's up and running. It's a medical center now. So they do ultrasounds and STD testing and they have uh, thousands of young women that come in for various needs, whether it's um, or they already have kids and they have needs or they just find out they're pregnant and they need an ultrasound. You know, it's just amazing that that's up and running. And so, so I think that really showed me that sometimes God calls us to something for a season. It doesn't even have to be like for the rest of life. It wasn't like he asked me to run that center. We ended up hiring wonderful people and, and it was just he needed me in the moment to help get the ball running. And that step of faith has just encouraged me so much that if I feel that stirring and I hear that voice, it's just given me faith. Well, like you showed up God there. Like you are totally there. So this next thing, if you're asking me to do it, I know you will show up. And so that in my life that's led to our family going on mission trips and our daughter's actually a missionary where we used to go on mission trips in the Czech Republic. It's led to adoption. We adopted first one um, little girl and then a sibling group of two from foster care. And then last year we finalized the adoption on a sibling group of four um, preteens and teen girls from foster care. And each time it's like that little stirring starts. I'm like, oh my word, <laughs> here we go again. Well, even like, as you uh, describe that, I'm like, you, you recently adopted four preteen and teen girls from foster care as a family group? Yes. Yeah. I mean, how is that even in, gone in, in just the short term? Because it was, I mean, months ago this happened. Are you all still adjusting? That, that I mean, just that, that type of an undertaking, I, I can't even imagine. I'm just curious how it's gone. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people don't even have four kids and here we're adding on four kids uh, yeah. to our already, you know, at this point we had three grown kids and then we had um, three little kids. We had six. But when... Uh, to just go back a little bit, so I, I also lead a teen mom support group here in Little Rock, which has come out of the pregnancy center. That's really my 
focus now is just working with those young mamas and telling them God has big plans for them. But as I'm doing that, we've seen so many girls who have aged out of foster care and they're pregnant immediately. I mean, because they have nowhere to go. They have no family. They they're you know they're they leave their foster homes. They the state gives them. I mean, such a minimal amount of money, and they're basically on the streets, and they find boyfriends, and they're pregnant again, and then he's out of the picture. So we saw all these young women who were aging out of foster care, and pregnant, and homeless, and had nowhere to go. And it's like, I remember coming home from our meetings, because it's like, we're there, we're a weekly support group, and yes, we give them diapers and clothes and and baby items, but you know, we don't have a home for them to live in, we you know don't feed them. I mean, I just felt so overwhelmed, and I was telling my husband, someone needs to step up and get these girls and catch them before they end up on the streets and end up pregnant. And um, the more I just would rant about this, I just felt God, that stern inside, like, okay, why don't you do something? <laughs> and so um, John and I prayed about it. And I remember the worship service at church were so clear, just that spirit of God, just inside stirring, saying, we need to adopt a, a sibling group of older girls. And I was thinking, you know, two, like two, two girls. And um, I emailed, we have an organization called uh, Project Zero, and their goal is to get zero foster kids, um, uh have zero foster kids that need to be adopted. So basically get all the foster kids adopted. And I emailed them and I said, do you have any older sibling groups of girls? And she said, actually, I just got a call yesterday at about a sibling group of four girls. They were ages 11 um, through 14. So there's a set of twins in there. And just yesterday I got information about them and she sent me their names and their ages. And uh, like, I showed John and he's like, that's our girls. Like we hadn't even seen a photo yet, like anything. We just knew it was just like no coincidence that the day I reached out to her, she just heard about the sibling group of four girls that needed a forever family. They had a failed adoption before us. And so it that was probably in September. September, October, we heard that they were, they did want us to do all the paperwork. Um, and then we met them in January of 2015. And then they moved in um, June of 2015. And it was hard at first. You know, these are girls that had been in foster care for six years. They'd had a failed adoption right before us. Um, one of them had a lot of behavioral issues. So at the time that we we actually moved three in and then the fourth one moved in a month later because she was in a therapeutic foster home for her behavior issues and it was a lot of drama it was um a lot of you could tell they wanted to be adopted but anytime we tried to get close it was super uncomfortable they were so sure they were going to be hurt over and over again that they would push us away and they would lash out and you know we had girls trying to run away and <laughs> trying to climb out the window in the second story i mean it was just a lot of drama and i just remember getting on my knees so much during that time like god i cannot do this like the younger kids there was some trauma stuff too but it was a lot easier i mean teen girls they not only act out but they they can speak some pretty vicious words that kind of would go right to my heart and you know here i am just trying to love them and reach out to them and it's like god really like this is what you called me to <laughs> like, you know, i just feel like i'm getting ptsd from their ptsd because it was so hard in our home for a while and i felt like god saying yeah yeah, this is what I've called you to. And um, they ended up going to trauma therapy, which was 
they got a lot of help from trauma therapy. Just the therapist helped them to work through those issues and to deal with the trauma, learn coping skills for their anger. And John and I just learned how to love them even during the hard times. And that's what they talk about. Like one girl was uh, trying to run away. And so she packed up her stuff and went set a suitcase or a backpack in the hall and I would take it and hide it. And now she just loves telling that story because she thinks it's so funny that she's trying to run away and I'm hiding it. So she's acting out. But as I'm hiding stuff, it was actually like feeding her soul that I cared enough that I wasn't like calling her DHS worker and saying, come and get this girl. I was like, nope, you're not going anywhere. We're adopting you and you're, you know, this is your forever home. And that just made a huge, huge difference. And so now, I mean, they've, they've been adopted for, uh, it'll be two years in January. And it's just amazing to see the difference that they are. Um, we don't have any of those issues. You know, we, I mean, there's minor bickering that you get through teenagers, you know, bickering with each other or like, whatever, mom. I mean, those types of things. But mostly they're, they're normal teens who know their love, that feel part of our family, um, that our 17-year-old is already been accepted into two colleges, with scholarships. I mean, it's just amazing to see how much their life is different now than it would have been if we hadn't stepped in and just had, you know, some really, really hard months. And I would say even the first year was really hard, but it's made a huge difference in their lives. How have you, gosh, that's such an amazing story. Um, I mean, how has what you've learned in just this season of adopting them and going, you know, taking them out of the system for the second time and bringing them into your home and having it be four kids and for like a sibling group and all these issues that happened at the beginning, like what you watched God do and, and bring them through and what God brought you through in the process, like how how do you relate that in the book? How do you relate that to to somebody who's just picking the book up and going, okay, what does this mean for my life? Because they're going to hear mm. how God worked in your own life through this situation. And a lot of the people, I know a lot of the moms and parents listening, like we want to hear from God. Some of us maybe are struggling with reading the Bible or being in the word every day or like sitting like you just described, like with a journal every single day and a word from God. And like, where do you start? So you've got this experience, this voice that, you know, in worship, you're feeling the spirit move you. And, and then you're just trying, you step out in faith and just watch God work. Like, what's the message for people who are going to pick up this book and go, okay, yeah, I want that. But what's God's plan purpose for me? Like, where do I fit into the scenario? Yeah. And I think the thing about God's call is usually it's harder than we think it will be, which is like, people are like, I don't want to read a book about God's call being harder than we think. But when you look at people in the Bible, I mean, you look at Moses, he was called to lead a grumbling people in the desert. Or you look to David was called to stand up against Goliath or to run from Saul or all these people in, in, in the Bible, they like faced hard things. But they also get to experience so much more than they ever thought. And that's what I feel like God has asked me to do hard things. But then also in my weakness, I've realized his strength. So there's there's been times when, um, you know, the girls would be acting out and there'd be like major disruption. I would just sit on the floor, like totally weak. Like I don't even know what to do and just pray. I would just be sitting there praying. And pretty soon the spirit of God would just like calm them in a way that's unexplainable that I'm like, wow, I didn't really think that God could do that. Like it was just, I was, I would see, him in such amazing ways to show up over and over again. And then to see like how God has completely changed your life. It's just given me faith to realize that often our call isn't just about us. It's about other people out there. And I think that's the problem with a lot of today, like um, a lot of 
I don't know, sermons or books that we read, it talks about you're finding your strengths and finding your call that's going to follow your strengths. And I'm here to say, God doesn't always call you to your strengths. Sometimes he calls you to your weaknesses because he wants to show you that he can show up. And it's not about you. It's not about your life and what you can do and all these great things. It's about the people out there that need to, to need your impact, that need to hear about him and need to um, have the gospel brought to them and um, to need to know that you will love and care for them. And it's not about the easy things. And sometimes we think, okay, I'll follow you, but I want it to be easy. And um, God's saying, I won't give you easy, but I'll give you myself. And that's even greater than easy. And I think that's really what I've come to discover is I've just found God. Instead of finding easy, I found God. And I've seen these kids find God. And, um, you know, they, three of them uh, got baptized at Christmas. And that's like the most amazing thing is to see that they have this relationship with God now. And the family. And so that makes all the difference. And so really the, the subtitle talks of radical results of living God's word out. And sometimes it's radically hard. <laughs> sometimes it's radically um, good. And it's all these things, but it's it's bigger than what we ever imagined. And that's really what I hope people will, will walk away with. It's like, okay, God is calling me to this, and it might not be easy, but He's going to be there, and He's going to be with me every step of the way. And the world will be different because we take these steps of faith. I, I love, and that's so beautifully put. And I love that you bring up these examples of like, tr- you know, of what you can do and like praying in the moment and God's way and like letting God's spirit calm them is such a good example. Cause a lot of times, what do we try to do? We just try to step in and fix it. Right. Right. Um, but I want to go back to something you just said, because I think to culture, you know, and, and a lot of these sermons too say, go find what you're strong at, or go find what you're passionate about. Like you go find your passion and you go earn money doing it. And purpose mm-hmm. a lot of the time is so, so tightly tied to career, at least in the mind of of a young people who are trying to, you know, go to school and get their education and then, okay, what am I going to step out into the world and do? And they're thinking about it in a career mindset and not in a God's will and purpose for my life mindset. So what would you say is the link? And as you, you're such a good person to talk to, I think, because you're raising so many different kids, kids who are of different ages and walks of life and struggle, past struggles, you know, kids mm-hmm. in the foster system, like how do you, what does raising kids look like? And what do practical conversations look like as you try to grow your kids up in God's purpose for them? Not so much toward a specific career that would, that would, you know, be, be more about their strengths and what they find, you know, lights them up. But how do you talk to your kids about, okay, like God's will and purpose for our life is to, to find the hard work that he wants us to do and go do it in his name, but that he, like, we're, we're going to find ourselves in our own weakness, as you said, and God's going to deliver us the rest of the way because in our weakness, he is strong. Like, what mm-hmm. does that conversation for kids even look like for you? Well, I think the important thing is that it's not a conversation. It is them walking along with us as we are doing these things. So at the beginning, when I, you know, I, it, it sounds so easy, like, oh, I started this pregnancy center, all these things. It was like, really hard because I was still homeschooling. I did some a little bit of writing and then I would take my three kids, which they were ages probably five, seven, and ten at the time, and they would go with me. And we are remodeling the pregnancy center. So my kids are like helping rip up carpet and they're helping fold baby clothes and they're helping sort diapers. And they see these they see the the women coming in and they hear these conversations like I don't believe my kids just heard this conversation about two girls being pregnant by the same guy. <laughs> it's like, oh my word, what am I doing? And I thought for so long, 
I was ruining my kids. Like I am the worst mom ever. Other moms have their kids at art class and music lessons and they're at the park with their kids and they're baking cookies and I'm dragging my kids along. But it's amazing to see that it wasn't a conversation. It was them coming along with me. And then as they got older, I saw them reaching out. So they would be like, mom, I met this person at college and, um, they don't have anywhere to go to Thanksgiving. Can they come over and be with us? Or they would invite people to church with them. Or they would say, um, Mom, um, one of our one of my friends is a single mom, and she her car got broken into, and um, her car seat got stolen. We have an extra car seat in our garage. Can we give it to her? It was like them being able to see people in our community that need help and need support. And it wasn't me saying, oh, you should really go out there and serve people because they had walked with me. They realized that like, this is what it's about. This is about serving other people. And then just to see that what I was doing actually ended up being a stepping stone kind of for my kids. So um, my two sons, my oldest son, he serves in children's church and my um, second oldest son, he uh, he's the one that helps me out a ton and he just wrote his first Christian novel. So they're still using their gifts, but they're serving other people in so many ways. And then my daughter... Um, she is actually a missionary in the Czech Republic, and we went when they were teenagers. I just felt God saying, uh, "Mission trip, you know, just get them out into the world." And I had been to the Czech Republic researching for a book, and just saw the great need. It was a former communist country, and most people there are atheists. And so we take our teenagers and go, you know, raise all this money. Even at the time, I'm like wow, this is such a waste of money almost because we're having to you know, spend so much money on plane tickets and is this really worth it? Um, but we took our kids over there to go on mission trips and we talked about how do you share Christ? And first of all, you know, they just need to become uh, trusting of Christians and then curious about Jesus. So we just taught them all these things. Well, it turns out years later, my daughter felt called, called to go there as a missionary. And um, she even said, Mom, you know, I'm, she's getting ready to graduate from college. And she's like, I just feel like I'm supposed to go there for a year. And then um, I also really feel that I'm not supposed to raise any money, that God's going to bring the money. And I'm like, oh, great. So, you know, she's like, Mom, um, you know, every time you prayed, like, for the pregnancy center, I'm like, God always provided. I just feel we need to pray. And I'm like, maybe we should send out letters or do a spaghetti dinner or, you know, you need money to you know live there for a year. And she's like, no, I just really feel God is telling me to, um, to just trust him with the money. So months went by and she would get a little money here or there, but, but about a, two months before she had to go and, you know, travel and move over there. She was going to stay with some missionary friends over there. Um, she needed for her visa to show them that she had enough money to live there in their country for a year. Otherwise, they wouldn't give her a, a work visa or a missionary visa to live there. And she didn't have enough money. And so I'm like, oh, great. What are we going to do? She's, you know, because by the next day, she needed to have like a copy of her bank account that showed she had the money there. And she's like, mom, I just still feel like somehow God's going to provide like he, and I'm like, this is my tomorrow. We need to show like you have, you know, 9,000 more dollars in your account and it's not even there. Um, and so her and my daughter-in-law just got on their knees and they prayed. And um, later that day, she called me. She was actually staying at my son and daughter-in-law's house. And she's like, Mom, you're not going to believe this. And I'm what? I'm like, what? And she said that she went and checked her um, email. And she hadn't checked her spam folder for a while. So she went and checked. And there was a um, amount from PayPal. There's like a notice from PayPal that she had received $10,000 in her PayPal account. And she'd had this little blog. 
and she had a little PayPal button. And so someone had clicked on the button and she, she never even asked for money on the, on the um, blog, but she just had this little button there and someone had clicked and gave her $10,000. I'm like, who do we know that would give you $10,000? And it was actually someone that she had met when she was in high school. He was, had been a uh, Muslim. He was from a different country and she worked with him at a Wendy's restaurant and shared Christ. And years later, he, you know, he had moved back to the country where he was from and he had remembered this young woman. He had become a Christian and he went to go find her on the internet and found she was gone on a mission trip. And by this time, um, he had been, he was an engineer and he gave his savings to send her to the Czech Republic. And it was just like, because they were with me and taking all those steps of faith when I was at the pregnancy center and inviting teen moms into our home and sorting baby clothes, it's like they have just seen God at work in their lives. And so, I mean, it's kind of a long way to answer your question. Oh, but Trisha, like, keep talking. I'm bawling. So just keep talking. I'm like, not even surprised that God came through in such a big way. But um, yeah. oh, I'll, st- I'll stop this show whenever we want. You just keep talking. <laughs> so it's, I mean, it's not even about the conversation. And, and the thing is, like the enemy during that time was like, you're such a bad mom. Like I really felt like this guilt. Like I am horrible because I felt God calling me to – be at the pregnancy center and being loving on these women. And then at the same time, I'm dragging, you know, I thought I'm dragging my kids along, but it ended up being the best thing for them because they saw God work over and over again. And so now, you know, I have three adults that love Jesus and their lives have not been easy. There have been hard things in their lives that they've had to face, but they have Jesus and they know Jesus and they share um, Jesus with others. And so what I've really realize, like, as I'm raising up these younger kids, um, that, you know, it's, it's helpful to see that, okay, I should not feel guilty when I'm going to volunteer. I just continue to take them with me. And so, Thursday night, I loaded up seven kids, and we went into inner city of Little Rock for our teen mom support group, and they're helping, I have that in quote marks, helping babysit the other kids. Um, but it just shows them, like, this is what it's about. And I think that's really what God's work, you know, says when it says go into all the world. Um, and, you know, Jesus had disciples that were walking alongside. So, as he's healing people and touching people and talking to people, I mean, his disciples were seeing it. Now, he's like, okay, go and do likewise. It's your turn. And I think that's exactly what we need to be doing with our, our kids is, like, hey, you're coming along with me. This is how we love people. This is how we tell them about Jesus. And um, this is how God shows up. This is all the amazing things that he does. And now, as I'm launching adults, it's like, go, go do it, go do the thing. So um, it's amazing. It helps me so much having the little kids seeing that God does show up. Like instead of having all those fears, like what's, what's going to happen with their futures? Like God is there. God is waiting with their futures. Oh, amen. I cannot believe we have to wrap this episode up. That was such a good story. <laughs> I am like, I'm, I can't wait to talk to my husband and everyone I know and share that story with them. Cause it's, it's not even surprising though. Just, and I love her. I love her faith throughout the whole process. Like, no, no, God, God's going to handle it. Like she got a word yeah. from him. She, she felt like he was saying something to her. And the, the message usually is just, wait, I got it. Wait, I got it. <laughs> and sometimes yeah. it happens at the very last second, just the way you described. But what a cool, what a cool thing to watch have happen. Um, and I love that you brought up that the enemy was in your ear because I just think so many parents out there are, you know, trying to do the right things, point their kids in the right direction. But we've got this, this force, um, that's honest in such a negative way. But I just love that story. Um, I'm so excited yeah. for people to listen to it. 
Trisha, we got to wrap up and I will point everybody to where they can find this new book and just f- connect with you online. We didn't get to talk about the Facebook community, but um, I will make sure to put the link up um, for everything you're doing, walk it out stories and the community group to help read the Bible. But um, as we wrap up, I've got three rapid fire questions. We call them the scoop. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. So first question, obviously we love heroes at this podcast. It's called heroes for her. Who was your hero when you were a little girl? Um, Laura Ingalls Wilder. I just read all the little House in the Prairie books over and over. I would just picture myself in that covered wagon with her when I was little. Second question, what is a piece of advice you've received that has impacted your life in a powerful way? Mm. Um, oh, there's so many good things. I think um, one of the things that it is, it's, it's finding just a, it's a simple little thing, but my mother-in-law, when we first got married, um, anytime I'd be doing something around the house or doing something around the kitchen, um, she'd just come in. I'm like, oh, no, go sit down. You don't have to do that. And she always said, um, many hands make light work. And so I think as a parent, that has just helped me that anytime like I'm overwhelmed because the house is messy or we have too much laundry, I just call everyone together. I'm like, okay, we're going to have 10 minutes. We're going to do <laughs> many hands light work. Everyone go. We're going to spend the next 10 minutes cleaning and just make me realize like so many times we're afraid to accept help or afraid to ask the help. And that's just reminded me like when we all come together, we could work so much better and faster. Last question. If you could have a secret superpower, what would it be? Um, I always say not sleep <laughs> because then I could just, uh, I, and I love waking up in the morning and having my time in the Bible. I could just have more time in the Bible and more time um, reading and all the things that I, I mean, I still get time in the Bible, but I would love more time to uh, to read and to read my Bible and to spend doing those things. Um, right now I have a stack of book on my nightstand that I, I like go very slowly through. So I would be not sleeping and doing all the reading all the time. <laughs> That's me. I'm thinking about my stack right now. There's like four, it's four <laughs> books deep right now, which is a pretty low stack for me. <laughs> yeah. Um, Trisha, as we wrap up, just where is the best place online for our listeners to connect with you and find out more about the work that you're doing and all the books and, and this newest book? Sure. Well, my website is just trishagoyer.com. It's T-R-I-C-I-A-G-O-Y-E-R.com. And I have information about Walk It Out there. Or also Facebook, I'm author Trisha Goyer. And uh, Instagram, Trisha Goyer. Twitter, Trisha Goyer. Pretty much if they put my name in. Um, and I, I'm one of those people, crazy people that love social media. So, you know, if you're commenting and uh, send messages, I love to connect with people. So I would just love to connect with listeners there. Awesome. Trisha, thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. If you enjoyed our conversation, please be sure to rate and review us on iTunes. If you have any questions, thoughts about the episode, or ideas about how we can come together and support our girls, we would absolutely love to hear from you. You can email us at hello at biblebells.com. Just let